Welcome back to After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Scotelaire, alongside my lovely co-host. Rahil Vidalingam. Alicia, it's been a fun week of hockey. Let's get straight into it. Lots your of sense have, have won more games, I think, so let's start with them, <laughs> I think, just to be fair. They have. They have. So they went on a road trip, finally, to Alberta, where they faced Calgary and Edmonton. They mm-hmm. dominated in Calgary from start to finish. They played exceptional hockey. Uh, this was their cup, like I would say maybe their second full game they played where mm-hmm. everyone played outstanding. Uh, it was actually Matt Murray's first win of the season. Let's go. Which was really exciting for him finally to get that. Give him a little bit of booster. Give him a mm-hmm. little bit of confidence. So it was good for, for Matt Murray in the sense. Going to Edmonton, who they played on Saturday, uh, dominated again. They played a little bit of a slow start on Saturday. On, sorry, on the second period. Yeah. Um, but they did end up winning and coming back from that, uh, being down three to one against a shaky Edmonton team. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was an overall good road trip for them. The boys mm-hmm. were back in town on Monday night, and then we get news from Bruce Garriott and and others around the league saying Matt Murray's battling now an illness, mm-hmm. which he was not going to be playing Monday night where they did lose to Buffalo, which we'll get more into about what happened in that game. But uh, yeah, so uh, again, Matt Murray dealing with health issues. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, not really, but it's just getting to a point now. He's been playing decent hockey for the past two games. And then, and then it's again, just another injury and you're like, okay, like, come on, man. Like, one step forward, two steps back. And that's how I yeah. feel with what's been going on with Matt Murray. So sucks that's happening to him. Um, mm-hmm. I wish him speedy recovery. I don't know what's if it's the flu or something. Yeah. Also, Connor Brown has broken his jaw. Unfortunately, he'll be out for, I think, three to five weeks. Yikes. Maybe a little bit more. Who knows what's going on there. And there was a play that happened on Monday night against the Buffalo Sabres. Or, sorry, Tuesday night. Yeah. My mistake. Um, Alicia's going to get angry here, guys. Get ready. I am, but then I'm going to get angry at the Sens, too. Because, yes. There was this one play. Yeah, I'm going in there. There was this one play where they found their stuff, uh, their players in a scrum near the Sens bench. They were, like, fighting Buffalo Sens. They're fighting. You saw the refs get involved. Okay? (laughs) He's touching players. The whistle was never blown. The play continued, and that led to the Sabres goal. Now, a lot of people freaked out saying, why wasn't the whistle blown? Like, what is going on here? NHL, like, we need an explanation. I agree with that. Why wasn't the whistle blown? If there's a scrum happening and the referees are getting involved, the whistle should have been blown. Yep. But let, let me go back to something real quick. When I played, now I didn't play professionally, but I did play rep hockey and in, and in school, mm-hmm. we were told even from a young age, do not stop until the whistle is blown, regardless of what is happening. <laughs> regardless. Yep. Why did they stop playing hockey? Why? I, You know what, Alicia? You, you, you talked about how you played hockey. You know what? I have a better, well, not better, but another um, example. National Football League. How many times do you see an incomplete pass? But the defense still picks it up, still runs it into the end zone. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, coach's challenge. Oh, it was a fumble. The player picked it up. It's a touchdown now. You play until you hear the whistle. You don't stop. And I understand where you were coming from at the beginning, too. And I understand a lot of Sens fans because I watched it this morning and I was just like, dude, like, this looks like a free. This isn't like two players getting at it and the rest breaking it up. There's like seven or eight players from both teams in front of the benches. Just straight up going at it. Yeah. So I understand why a whistle should have been called. But 
if a whistle's not called, and I do believe, I don't think every player who was on the ice for the Sens was in that scuffle, were they? No, there was, I would say, a good, uh, I don't remember, maybe four of them. Well, so like there's, there's one other guy. Four of them, yeah. There's one other guy, and it almost like like when I saw the video, it almost looked like he started to go in, and then the pass went over to the Buffalo Saber, and he got it. Why are you going in so late? The scuffle's already happening. The whistle hasn't been blown. Why are you going now? When like I I don't know. Like I would just look around and be like, oh, there's one guy not going. I'm just gonna sit here just just, just in case. Watch him, you know. Well, since fans were like losing their minds, oh, you know that should have went to the NHL. Like we need explanation, or that goal shouldn't have counted. And I do I, think, go ahead. I get where they're coming from, mm-hmm. but that didn't cost us the game. It didn't. Co- we we had many breakaways where we couldn't finish. We mm-hmm. had many opportunities on the power. Did play. Alex Formanton have any of them? I think he had two of them. Don't say I anything. Gotta, I can say I, stuff. You don't say anything. Let me talk. I, <laughs> I just think I'm going to shut up with Formington as they still get death threats, but which is oh, ridiculous. That's so um, stupid, especially yeah. over someone like Formington. The sense fan base is toxic. You're either on the left side or the right side. There's no there's middle. No, there's no middle. Whatever. Not going there. But um, that didn't cost us a game. Mm-hmm. There was many opportunities to either tie it or take the lead. Mm-hmm. It just didn't happen. And we ended up losing to Buffalo 3-1 on Tuesday night. That's pretty much it. What's going on to the Sens? They did get their 15 games um, rescheduled that yeah. they did get postponed due to COVID and other teams uh, not being able to cross borders. So um, mm-hmm. it's good for Sens fans. Finally get to catch up. Good for the season holder tickets as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really much what happened with the Sens. Uh, big news coming out of Montreal, Rahel. Do you want to Yes, we'll, we'll get into the big news in a second. I'll summarize. We'll, we'll go through the timeline of the week because it, it, it gets sad, but then it gets exciting, okay? <laughs> so, first off, you have the 3-2 loss to the Chicago Blackhawks in overtime. Now, it's funny because you had a questionable call with the ref. So did I. So, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently, I wasn't watching the game, but I was on Twitter seeing what happened. Apparently, overtime took almost 20 minutes. Because there was a 10-minute review, and then there was a 5-minute review. It was ridiculous. But the 10-minute review or whatever. But there was a goal scored by Chicago, which won them the game in overtime. And if you watch it in slow-mo, it looks like the dude was offside. Because people say, well, he didn't have possession of the puck. His skates were in the zone. His stick wasn't really touching the puck. I've seen people saying, oh, well, he had possession. People saying he didn't have possession. You know what? I think, Alicia, the NHL needs to freaking fix this rule again. Yes. Like not fix it, but like there like you need to clarify this more. Like you need to like like not this gray area of oh, did he have possession or not? Just straight up make it are skates over the line. Yes. Is the puck there? No. Offside. Screw the possession thing at this point because you're 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 having this gray area, Alicia, and it's frustrating as hell. Not as frustrating as refs not blowing the whistle on like an eight man <laughs> scrum. That's a different thing. But no, it is, and I feel your pain, buddy. I, I really yeah. do. It's it's like when is the league gonna get it right? You guys Honestly. have all these meetings about looking over, you know, all these cameras, plays, all, these all these angles, and they still can't get it right. Still and with the technology right. that we have, you should be able to get it right. At this I 100% point. agree. The nice thing for me is we're tanking. So, like, I'll take the, I'll take the loss. Like, it's huh. whatever. I'll take the, the one less point. Then we go on to face Arizona Coyotes in the tank bowl, we'll call it. Um, and we lose five to two. I mean, just take Drew and looked okay. <laughs> but aside from Drew and looking okay. It's Arizona, the second worst team in the league, and they beat us five to two. That's that's pretty embarrassing. It is what it is. Wow, five to two. But then, but then the news gets announced. So Kent Hughes, former player agent, has officially been named the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Hughes. Hughes comes in with 25 years of experience 
as a player agent, has multiple age uh, players like uh, Chris Letang, Patrice Bergeron. I believe Darnell Nurse might be on there too. I'm not 100% sure on that one. His client list, Alicia, is over $300 million a year in money. Wow. That's a lot of money, Alicia. And for we're going to get, yeah, we're going to get more into it um, with our guests. Hopping yes, on. With, with our guests coming on very shortly. Who will, we're not going to, we're not going to leak it yet. You guys got to wait, although it's probably in the title. So who cares? Yeah. But um, so then, you know, obviously that gets announced. And then the next day or that night, I believe it was, Montreal has a game against the Dallas Stars. And what happens, Alicia? Montembeau mm-hmm. plays on his goddamn head, stops 48 of 51 shots. Wow. And the Montreal Canadiens win five to three. Dvorak had a couple goals. I believe Paling may had it, or Paling had a goal last game. Yo, Dvorak had that guy get on the board finally, man. It's been seriously. A while. Suzuki uh, gave one to Toffoli. Toffoli got on the board there. It's nice, you know. It's a good win, you know. And I, I think I read somewhere that Thank at this you. point, if the Montreal Canadiens play five hundred hockey for the rest of the season, they're finishing bottom five. Wow. And that shows how bad they'll finish with another sixty points if they play five hundred. So. Mm-hmm. At this point, like, you know, obviously all Habs fans are screaming tank, 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 and you want to keep on tanking, but a win every now and then isn't going to ruin their tank stock, I think, that much. Montembeau, though, I mean, hey, his trade value just went up with that game. I think you never know. A team might, you know, throw a flyer, keep drop a, a fourth eye on him for sure. Why not? Hey, you guys you guys need goalies. You guys want to trade a second-round yeah. picture? <laughs> <laughs> we'll or take talk Form- about that. Take, take Formington. Take Formington. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want Zenstar to attack me. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Montembeau and trade deadline stuff towards when the trade deadline actually comes, though. But I'm going to get on to Kenton Hughes for a little bit here. So I think this was a fantastic move, and I think it for two specific reasons. One. I think you have Jeff Gordon there and a lot of fans are going to be like, oh, well, you should have got someone who's more experienced. But here's the thing. Jeff Gordon, no, or sorry, Jeff Gordon knows his rebuilding stuff. He knows how to run the day-to-day hockey operations and all that stuff. He's done it in Boston and he's done it in New York. With Kent Hughes, you have kind of that nice niche where he knows more of the player side of it. He knows how contract negotiations work. He knows all these connections inside the league. He knows Jeff Gordon. The both of them are apparently good buddies. So I think they're going to work well together. And I think that's where you're okay to have someone who's not experienced as your GM role. When you have someone above him, who's very well seasoned. So I think that goes well together. And I think the other thing that's nice about it, Alicia is it's, it's, it's different. It's a breath of fresh air. And I think with what happened with Montreal, obviously last year was a great run, but then you have the terrible disappointment this year. Price is injured. You don't know about his future. If he's going to stay, you don't know about other players staying Gallagher, et cetera. This is just a breath of fresh air. They're trying something different, but not that far off the board as we're going to, you guys are going to hear with, when we talk to Steven Ellis of the hockey news, like look at Florida, their GM's a former player agent. Look at the moves he made. He didn't inherit a good team. They were a mediocre team. He made some smart moves, and now they're like one of the best teams in the league, Alicia. Yeah, they're amazing so. right now. So, and that's what another thing is: Habs fans, be patient. Yeah. Don't analyze every single move. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. We're not inside their brains. We're not inside the organization. Who's talking to who? Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I want to prepare you guys to be because. Listen, Sens fans have been through it all, you guys especially know. working with the DM, especially yeah. working with DMs and stuff. So mm. just be patient. And I think this was a great move for Montreal. Why not get a, a guy like him, like Hughes into the organization yeah. who's buddy buddy with Gordon? So kudos to you guys. Well done. Yeah, I think it's great. And and the big thing for me too is he, he said in his press conference an hour ago or two hours ago, he's he loves analytics and he believes in analytics. And I think that's he. That's key. That's key. It's very, very important. So I'm looking forward to it, Alicia.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back now with Stephen Ellis, journalist and web editor from the Hockey News. Stephen, I haven't seen you for like a month. How you been, man? I've been great. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You still uh, you're brushing off those uh, NHL skills so that you can play uh, next time I come down. Oh, he's got the control. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was literally uh, it's we're a bit of a bit of a lull at work in the middle of the day, so I had to mm-hmm. practice a bit. And uh, I played a, a recent uh, mini tournament because there's no Olympic mode, so I re- replaced yeah. all the teams in in Stanley Cup playoffs and put in the Olympic teams. Mm-hmm. And I played as Canada, but then the rest of the game simmed, and then it worked out as the final four being Canada, Sweden, Austria, Belarus. I'm like, okay, easy, Canada, Sweden in the final. No Canada versus Austria. And uh, <laughs> Belarus, uh, once again, beat Sweden. They just continue to go on a roll. Or yeah. No, Austria beat Sweden. I beat Belarus. But Belarus, though, they... Uh, Unfortunately, Carey Price almost had to uh, give up on a mid-tournament. He uh, they uh, he allowed five goals on seven shots. Uh, oh no! I hope that's not twenty twenty. Was it going to be twenty twenty six now? Carey oh, Price is gonna he'll be one hundred and forty three years old by that point. So I don't know. We'll see. See yeah, how many knee honestly. surgeries he needs. <laughs> Seriously, but yeah, thanks for coming on by, Stephen. We really do appreciate it. Um, we'll get into some questions here for you. So obviously, I mean, the news literally like from the last hour. Kenton Hughes obviously just spoke um, at the press conference of the Montreal Canadiens. Seems like from what I saw on social media, a lot of Habs fans are very happy with the move. Sounds like a very hockey junkie kind of guy, as I believe what he was described as. So my question for you is, what are your thoughts on the hiring? Do you think they should have gone with someone more experienced? Are you satisfied that they went with someone kind of out of the realm of, hey, we're not going to pick someone who's been a GM before, or been in the league before, then the player agent? And then what do you think his first steps are going to be in terms of obviously he has to, you know, analyze the team and everything. But from there, like players, you think he might have to make decisions on and are they going to stay or are they going to go? It's a refreshing move for the team because uh, I'm a the thing about being a GM and, and picking GMs. A lot of people on on social media will have their kind of opinions on who they think is the right pick. But the issue is the there's a lot more to like the GM job than just making trades or just picking draft picks, and yeah. it's not that simple as people like to make it out to be. So they'll look at it and say, "Oh, look at this GM. They they helped the team win multiple Stanley Cups." And it's like like Julian Breezeball, for example, he's done a great job managing the Tampa Bay cap, but mm-hmm. uh, could they have put in? Mark Bergevin and won the Stanley Cup with that team based off of the team, the way Steve Yeiserman kind of built the group. Yeah. Potentially. Like there's a lot of things to it. So um there a lot of people were angry saying, Oh, we didn't get the best hire. Yeah, I think they 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 got the guy they wanted. And and Ken mm-hmm. Hughes is uh, there's no like it's hard to because all levels of hockey are different in the way they act, like they handle it. Like you look at like a GM of a junior team, like their job is to manage um players for the next level the guys who are going to be using school scholarships uh mm-hmm. hopefully like the uh the if it's junior a they're looking for for ncaa if it's ohl they're looking for u sports so there's a lot of different jobs so being a gm at one level of hockey doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at a gm at another level and like you look at like danny briere was one of the finalists and people say oh briere would be great for this based off of what though because he works with an echl team there's a it's not exactly like it doesn't mean that's going to work out well. The one thing that I think we look at Bill Zito, he was an agent before, and now look at the Florida Panthers, one of the best teams in the league, and he made a ton of smart moves. This isn't like he just inherited a good group. Mm-hmm. He's had to make a lot of really good moves that ever since Talon left the team, they've been getting better and they've been getting really good picks and really good value out of these guys. And I wrote about Anton Lundell today. Be like, This was a guy that they they didn't need to rush in, but they gave him the opportunity. He's been good, and then they've been able to kind of build this really good uh, bottom six that makes the team more dangerous. 
but he knows players well. He knows what they want. He knows what like he, he kind of understands how that whole work, the whole thing works. Mm-hmm. He understands from all aspects, from the from the team side and from discussing contracts with them and such. And that's worked out. So this is, I think, a move where this could really pay off for the Canadians. It's somewhat different. They have a different mindset. And obviously you look at it and Ducharme wasn't very experienced at the NHL level before. Um, love him or hate him. We, we've it's still tough to say. I don't put a ton of blame on the coach a lot of times because look at how competitive this Canadians team was in the entire time Bergeron was here. And it was like band-aid after band-aid after band-aid yeah. where everyone knew they made the cup final. How many people thought they were going to make the cup final? Like that, that wasn't something you, like you don't, you got to still rebuild in that situation. Cause you, there were so many flaws of this team that was just running really well. Mm-hmm. Um, now you're looking at it. It's like, okay, you know what? There's still, there's an opportunity here where there's still some good young pieces that can work around it. It's still a market that, yeah, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but there's still a lot of interest in playing in Montreal. And I think having a guy who knows the player side of things as well as, as, uh, as Ken Hughes does is pretty important. So, and not only that, his son is uh, another kid named Jack Hughes, uh, who is a 2022 draft pick uh, who could fall to the second round pretty early in the second round. Wink, wink. Jack Hughes um, to Montreal confirmed. Yeah, so um, so like that, it, it there's just so many like just being an agent is some of the most valuable experience you can have. I think when it comes to player management, so mm-hmm. I think this is a really good opportunity here for the Canadians. And I'm not sure there's a better pick because I think everyone, media, fans alike, would just be kind of guessing. We don't really know yeah. that side of things. We don't know the ins and outs of it. It's like mm-hmm. when people say like a player is a good captain or good in the room. If you're not in that room, if you're not talking know. to players, yeah. if you're not a player, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's Very just the reality cool. of it. Yeah, totally agree with that. Alicia, what are your thoughts as an outsider? Because, like, I mean, me and Steven are both Habs fans, obviously. But, like, what do you think about the move? I thought it was a good move by Montreal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have to, like you said, Steven, you have to – we don't know what goes on behind closed doors or what they're doing analytically with him in the, the uh, new hockey operations for Montreal. So I think it's it's a great move for Montreal. Uh, fans can't judge right away. You have to see what the moves he makes first. So mm-hmm. always with the sense to – People always like to jump the gun and say, oh, this move was bad, this move bad. Just be patient. Let's see what he does. But as a result, I think it's a good oper- a good move for Montreal. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting, I think, for sure. Just especially, you know, as I mentioned earlier, he was described as like a hockey junkie. And I think yeah. like in a market like Montreal, that's going to go along well because you want someone who like truly enjoy- like he was talking about apparently on his he drove up from Boston uh, to Montreal for the press conference. Apparently, like late last night or this morning, he stopped in Peterborough to watch his son's hockey game or something just casually just hanging out at the ring and stuff like that. Like that's just the perfect kind of like hockey person that, you know you'd want to run your team in my opinion. I think it's an awesome thing. That's so cool, man. Imagine just showing up in Peterborough. So the thing about the eight, well, depends on your view of, of the, of Peterborough itself. Mm-hmm. That's more of a Ontario joke. Uh, but uh, looking at uh, the, uh, sorry, Peterborough people. Um, but the, um, you you'll look at it and it's like agents are in ranks almost every single night. Like we like just talking to agents. Like it's, it's like, Oh, we're, I'm here tonight, here tomorrow. Here it's they're in the rinks so much. So they, they've got almost some experience as scouts in a way they've got experience managing players and player contracts. And that's all stuff that is so valuable to a team. And it's a different mind. Like you look at these GMs and it's like, when a GM gets let go, it's not typically because, oh, we, uh, you know, the guy did this job, it's over, it's time to move on. A lot of times, it just means something wasn't working. So recycling these people after it didn't work somewhere else, like, you know, they maybe a fresh start is what they need, but yeah. it's it's like they needed something different. And yeah. um, they, we had an article we published about uh, the top 20 like women that could be the next 
or the first woman GM in the NHL. And people are saying, well, what are the credentials? It's like, there's no set credentials to become a GM. It's like, there's just so many different experiences that work. So like trying something outside the box or something that hasn't been done for is a, a very smart way of looking at it. Coaching is a bit of a different story because while, yeah, maybe let's stop recycling the same coaches. Um, but bring someone else new, you know, there'll be veteran players who might not want to listen to the young guy, the new, the new rookie coach bringing it. Uh, that's a bit of a different story, but GM it, it's, you're working with so many more people and more, uh, more categories. You're not by yourself. You've got a lot of help and a lot of other experts working on it. And I think that this is something where, you know what, let's see how this works. Um, yeah. The Canadians, the Canadians want to be a good team and having a guy who knows their contracts inside. out, know, I think that's uh uh, that's good. And of course, there will be the questions like, okay, Latang and Bergeron, you know, look, they got to have a new contract soon. Would he go and see, like, he's obviously going to do his due diligence and suggest the idea to them. I don't, doesn't mean that's what's going to happen, but yeah. um, it, it's, it's an exciting time for the Canadians where you got a guy who's got all these connections in the league. And obviously, most GMs do. Um, having these close connections, I think, can go a long way. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to be an exciting time for uh, Montreal Canadiens fans for sure. So next question, Stephen. Um, obviously, uh, I think it was literally today's been a great day for hockey news. Like literally, like there's so much. Yeah, to talk everything's about. coming out. <laughs> literally, everything's coming out at once. Like I think it was two or three hours ago. Um, the NHL just released their like February Olympic break yeah. kind of makeup schedule. So obviously, you know they've planned to make up these games, and that Olympic break is obviously a lifesaver for the for the league itself. The thing I'm kind of worried about as a hockey fan, Stephen, and I want your opinion on is. Is there even a backup plan for like end of February, March, April, if games get delayed? Like what's going to happen if this continues? Because I don't know if you can really fix this. Uh, there there was talks about this season being extended if they needed to do, and they had to extend the regular season a bit in the Canadian division last year, so it wouldn't be unprecedented. Um, mm -hmm. At least right now, the fact that we're not canceling games much anymore is probably a good sign that we might not have to worry about that going forward and the COVID yeah. numbers are starting to go down and we're looking at Ontario and we're looking at uh, it's expected we're going to get announcements about restaurants and gyms and hopefully soon it'll be the uh, the, the Leaf games getting people in that building and yeah. on, in Ottawa same thing so when we get closer to that different. you can't get people in Ottawa that's yeah. well, no, so, 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 you know like the, the crowd looks the same every night it's, it is exactly. what it is but, <laughs> it is what it is guys but you, you'll eventually get to the point where I think that they, they, we don't have to worry about this and the numbers are going down and that's a really good mm -hmm. sign. Our numbers were terrible heading into Christmas. Okay. And, and I think yeah. we're well below half of that now. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, while the numbers are still high, specific Ontario, we Canada was the one where it was becoming the issue around the league. It was it was like, the, yeah, there was high numbers in certain places, but it seems like they were able to still continue with fans and still continue for the most part. But the Canadian games were the ones getting really slaughtered. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if, if Canada as a whole is starting to move into a better situation, Maybe we're not worrying about that. And I mean, look I think at Ottawa. Cool. Ottawa had 15 games postponed, right? So yeah. it's hopefully they can make it up. But I did. I think I read this correctly that they weren't going to test the asymptomatic players. Yes. Is that which, true? Yes, that, is, that will be the case. It'll be after the All-Star game, um, mm -hmm. which that means like there could be players that are carrying it that could pass it along. And and for those players that maybe get it from them, they they could get symptoms and it could not be great. Who knows? Um, but uh, I think that the opportunity though, is that the, we don't have to cancel as many games. And um, if, if guys have COVID and there's no symptoms, like the Spangler cup was canceled and that's a big event for me where HC Davos had this big outbreak and like none of the players had any symptoms. They could have played no matter what. And the mm -hmm. entire tournament got canceled as a result. Yeah. And the thing about the, the world juniors is 
uh, I believe there was only one or two players that had any symptoms at all out of all of them that ended up having to cancel yeah. that tournament too. So it, it's it's something where like if those rules were in place, those tournaments would have still gone on. But then it's like, then you get the one player who gets really sick. You get a guy like Alex Delock who's missed pretty much like a season and a half of hockey uh, mm-hmm. and he's fortunately returning now. But because he, he had myocarditis and obviously that was before the, the vaccine. So he got it yeah. because he was just sick from COVID. Um, and there was not much that could have been done to prevent it at the time. And um, you, you're just like the, the one player has it and that's too many or yeah. where they get the bad symptoms and they got to do their best to, to kind of block that out and cover that. But I think it's still a, a sign that we're kind of getting through this at this point. And that's what we like to mm-hmm. see because yeah, the, like just, I'm looking at the Ontario numbers now it's our numbers are, are, are going down from what they mm-hmm. were a little bit. It's still mm-hmm. peaking or it's not peak. It's, it's, it's still in the, too high to be really excited category but yeah. we're getting to the point where it's not as going to be it is it's starting to come back down again and, which is the important part. Which is and the asymptomatic yeah. testing situation uh is is a big way of kind of moving this forward i think yeah yeah i do agree and the one thing i think i read too at one point and i think this kind of goes towards how it's it, it's different for sports as well right because sports <laughs> you know the money and all that stuff and just you know how important it is to just the world i guess in general whatever sport you're talking about but like 60 to 70 percent of the league is already tested positive i believe Yep. Or that may have been, I think it was positive. I thought it was COVID protocol, but it's positive. So, I mean, 70% of your leagues had it at some point. Like, I know there's that whole thing about once you get it, like it's not as bad coming the other time around. I don't know whether that's true or not. But if 70% of your leagues already had it, I mean, I kind of agree with the asymptomatic testing. Like at this point, it's like, it's not like you're really trying to restrict it. It's already gone through and ravaged you so many times. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I have a good friend of mine who's unfortunately had it multiple times, and uh, he he's been he's tested positive three separate times, including one time at the very wow. beginning of the pandemic. Like the problem is, it's like he's almost getting it the minute you can get it after like the period of time where it's yeah. like you're supposed to be kind of resistant to it, and mm-hmm. and it's just part of it is he he works in, in an industry where you're around people all the time, and, and unfortunately things happen, and um it's it's something where like the hope is yeah like if if all these guys kind of got it in a short period of time mm-hmm. then maybe we can get through this kind of safely where there are not a lot of people getting out of covid like yeah. it was like a covid protocol thing at one point was like oh wow one guy is in covid protocol that's a big news story then it was like okay 43 guys made it today okay eh, whatever uh this, this is old news now and, and exactly. we're finally past that point now uh like the montreal canadians are slowly getting towards having an nhl roster again um <laughs> And uh, it, it's something where again, hopefully we're, we're getting somewhere, but um, it, it's, it's, you got to hope like it, it's, we're talking about player safety here. We're not talking about mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, obviously there's a lot of talk about like the lost revenue and that does matter in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. but we're the focus here is like the player health. And that can't be something we're taking big risks on just to play mm-hmm. the game of hockey. Yeah, totally agree. I think we should all just clone Nick Suzuki because like everyone on Montreal except Nick <laughs> Suzuki has had COVID. This guy is literally like, I don't know. He's like super. Dude, human. same thing with Brady Kachuk. I think just he's one of the them. last few of the sons that don't have COVID. So should make the vaccine from their blood. <laughs> <laughs> See, so, so for a wonder for a little bit, I was looking at my phone. I'm like, man, like I got my goalie pads here with me. And like, do, does, do they need a goalie? Montreal, like, you need you need a, you need an e-bug? <laughs> yeah, like uh, it, it, it's it's funny. Like I um uh, a friend of mine, Jed Alexander, got to be the um, the an e bug for the Colorado Avalanche earlier this year uh, against wow. the Leafs, That's and awesome. uh, he worked for the or he played for the New York Rangers Rangers when I was there. And he's like, it wasn't a COVID related instance, but it's like he he basically said like we got to be ready to go at all times now because of just the added like you got the injury risk, but then there's the the COVID risk, and yeah. you got to be ready to go. And it's a little different because like 
like when I, I got to go to the, um, one of the first games uh, on Leafs without fans this year, and mm-hmm. there were still a few people sprinkled all through the building, and they were mostly workers. But then I believe there may have been one of the emergency goalies there, um, so they still got to be ready to go. But it's like, man, there's just like it, it's. I really can't wait to get back to the point where hockey's fun again and we're not talking about like just games being canceled or games yeah. being rescheduled. Let's talk about hockey being week to week. It's the only focus is what's going on in hockey because you know what? It Look at the start of the year with the Blackhawk situation and look at like there's been so many storylines this year that's made this year Hockey just scandals, drag yeah. on. Mm-hmm. It's not been as much fun as it could have been. I can't wait till we get back to the point where we're talking about being fun every day. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Here's hoping that comes really soon, really soon. So, my final question, and Alicia's going to bug you a bit. I'm sure you've heard by now Leon Dreisaitl and Tim <laughs> Matheson, and that's her fuffle. And no, what happened? I have no idea. You have no idea? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I want to pick your brain and know, obviously, what you think about Jim Matheson's comments and, like, what he said and stuff. But I also, I mean, you're obviously a bit in media. You know, you've interviewed some players and stuff. Do you think those types of questions are okay to ask a player? Because, like, with me, like I was talking to my girlfriend about it last night and me and her brought up a good point like that, that whole situation and what Jim Matheson said, it's almost like if I went out golfing for the day with the guys, you know, had some beers, came home, I was a little tipsy. And then I asked my girlfriend, like, what's wrong? You don't ask that. Like, I don't get it, Steven. Why would you say that? So I like, I could tell you f- there's a lot of frustration going around around the media and the, the NHL because um, while they, that was an in-person uh, media availability, the mm-hmm. thing that I think it's overlooked a lot of this. And this this is just from a media perspective, not yeah. a feel bad for us situation. But the the one thing that we've lost kind of in the last couple of years is being able to go one-on-one with the players in the change room. And you get so much more information. And, and you know what? Like players are willing to do that in a lot of cases. They're like it, the, the kind of the thing is you look at the players, and a lot of them don't want to talk to the media. And Dry Settle often looks like he never wants to talk to the media, but he's also the one thing that was kind of pointed out to me is from a German reporter, he's a German, he gets straight to the point and there it is. You don't expect these yeah. long answers. And that's what we yeah. don't expect. That's just how dry saddle is. You know, fair enough. Um, I, as a reporter, you're supposed to, you know, you don't want to be the story. Obviously mm-hmm. that's the case, but you, you're still trying to get the best story out of it. And there were some, you, there was definitely potential for the questions the way he asked that depending on the player might've given some really good answers, but dry saddle wasn't going for it. And I think in a sense, both of them kind of handled it a little poorly, more so on Matheson's side. They're, but neither of them are saying to think in this. But yeah. going back to this, I think the it's much harder to do your job as a journalist when you're getting assigned or told like to get some stories and you can't get that player access because the teams can restrict it and base it all off of COVID. A lot mm-hmm. of teams are still only doing COVID pro- or COVID um, Zoom calls, which means like you you might not even get a chance to ask a question. Um, I've seen guys who have going up for ask questions and their internet cuts out, and then bam, you don't get that story. And it's like yeah. there's there's things about that that it's it's kind of it's much tougher to do the job in that case. And obviously, like um, the players don't necessarily need us asking them stupid questions every single time. And there were a lot of stupid questions in that one specific press conference, but it's the, just the player access is so much worse than it's been in a long time where you got to do what you got to do to get a story. I don't think that he did a great job of it. I also think people talk about this, of this thing too much. So I should have been like, okay, that's funny for like an hour. And then, yeah. but no, we're like, not with social still, media. It'll no, it, it, around. And everyone feels like they got to share their opinion. And to me, I'm like, yeah. okay, whatever. I'm so bored of this conversation. Like the minute, it, it. The, the minute, it happened uh but mm-hmm. i haven't actually talked about it out loud but uh it, it was good for twitter drama uh, yeah that's yeah. always fun we had we had when was the last time we had twitter drama like days ago Pfft, 
yeah <laughs> seriously like two days ago maybe. i remember the, the like the one summer when it was old journalist versus like stats people and it was a horrible summer <laughs> like it, and and like then there was all this like people were digging up information about these reporters and getting yeah. them like they're exposing them for things and i was just like oh, this isn't fun um uh, it got, kind of got boring for a bit but then this is like Jim Matheson's a, a punching bag that unfortunately a lot of people go after. And I, I don't know him. I don't know him personally. I don't have to do deal with him. Uh, where those questions, some of the questions start stupid. Yeah. Could try subtle hand it better. Yep. That's kind of what I'll say. Um, yeah. But player access is not the same as it used to be. And getting stories is a little harder. On, on the other hand, uh, I can now hop on a Zoom call with a Colorado Avalanche goalie uh, after he goes and plays Boston. And that's something I couldn't do when I yeah. live in Toronto in a normal year. So that access is kind of cool. But you still don't get the one-on-one -on -one access. And getting a player you want is much harder. When you go walk in the Leafs room, if the player's still in the change room, you have free reign there. You can ask, hey, would you like to talk? And they say yes. Then boom, you can talk with the guy. And uh, I got... You may have remembered the the story about Ilya Mikheyev, uh, how he was like called soup, and like yeah. because he likes soup. Like it was one of the questions I asked that kind of led to that, yeah. uh, to that whole conversation. And it's like, but like he usually would not have been a guy that would have like had to talk on front of a podium. Now yeah. it's like they give you three guys, and it's like you got to yeah. ask those three guys a question. And yeah. well, if your story is about how great their second pairing defenseman is, you just probably don't get a chance to talk to that guy. And that's a little tougher than it used to be. Yeah, and that's interesting, too, because, like, I never, I mean, like, obviously, you know, with your your kind of background, you know, that's somewhere where, like, I wouldn't think of that firsthand. Like, I would just be like, oh, yeah, like, Zoom meetings suck, but it's okay. But, like, you know, now that you've said it, it understands, like, having that access is, like, something that you guys in the media would be, like, it's awesome. And especially you develop those relationships where, like, you come back into a room and a player's like, oh, yeah, like, I remember Steven. Like, you know, like, I had a great chat with him. Yeah, I'll chat with him again. And then that's how you're able to, you know, learn more about the player and get these stories and that kind of stuff. So it's like uh, that. One, one example is Shane Wright. I've talked to, I've interviewed him seven or eight times, mm -hmm. but I, he's never seen my face. And yeah. it's all been through Zoom and, and, or for phone calls. And it's like, you, you don't really get those like personal relationships from that yeah. where you get in the pet like like one of my favorite guys in the world to interview is carter hart this guy will just give you great stuff cole perfetti's another great guy perfetti mm -hmm. is just such a nice kid like super nice i hope he has a great career mm -hmm. uh he wants to learn about people more than he wants people to know about him it's like really? he, he wants to learn about like like every conversation like i made a comment to scott wheeler from the athletic a couple nights ago it's like i don't know if i've ever had an answer from perfetti to a question that was under like a minute and a half and it'd be like like something short, like expecting a small little quote, and he just, and he just goes like off on a tangent. Long stuff. And it's like, I, that's the stuff you love. These guys talk mm -hmm. really well. But part of that is forged from having a relationship from talking to people, not having them stare at a computer screen. Yeah. Or, or usually it's like a little camera that they're looking at in a change room, and there's like, no, you can't see who it is. And mm -hmm. uh, that stuff's all lost. And the personal connection there is like, players want to tell their story. Players like to talk especially when it's something fun obviously if they're playing garbage they don't want to question like why do you yeah. suck and like what's going wrong with you but it's like like the oilers have had to face recently it can't be a lot of fun having to answer questions there but when things go well you like to have that those interactions and that's something that's just been kind of lost in the last two years again this isn't a woe is us to the journalists it's just kind of the reality when your job is a lot on having to talk to these people and you can't yeah it's just right. the facts of the situation exactly Alicia, I know you want to yeah. pick Steven's brain Speaking about a couple of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Speaking on Edmonton, obviously they're not the same team as they were when they started the season. They came out flying. They were hungry. They were they were on a great record. Now they just look like shit. Plain and simple. They <laughs> do. Yeah. They look like they're a frustrated team that just can't get anything going. You know, they did mm -hmm. lose to the Sens. I think it was 6-4 where they had the lead and they just gave it up. 
What do you think the issue is with Edmonton right now, Stephen? What isn't the issue with the Edmonton Oilers oh. right now? <laughs> Their goaltending, uh, we knew would be ugly. Their defense yeah. still a work in progress, and that's it's better than it used to be for yeah. sure. Um, but it's still a work in progress. Uh, the offense. Uh, you still got to get more goal scoring out of your your guys here. It's got to be more than just McDavid and and because um, we've seen the playoffs in the past. It's like okay, those guys can play the best that they've ever played. It doesn't matter if they're still going to allow five goals in a game, and it doesn't matter if they score four goals and they can't if they they can't score four goals in a game off of those two guys, then they're screwed. Mm-hmm. And just looking at it, like I believe last time I checked, it was like it was like Drysaddle was like a fifty four points, McDavid was a fifty three, and then like maybe Nuge was over twenty five, and then no yeah. one else like it was like it was. There's, there's a huge a of, gap, yeah. a massive yeah. gap. And there was only four guys with at least 10 goals. And um, it, it's something where that's really not a good thing to have, where Keller Yamamoto is supposed to be one of your good secondary scorers, and he's yeah. not doing it. Warren Fogel was brought in. Maybe see if he could score something. Nothing. Carl Turas has just been, a, frankly, a disaster. Um, so you need kind of just like more goal scoring there. It can't just be your two guys, because if they're two of the hardest players in the world to shut down. But if they get shut down, and you don't have anything else, that's a problem. And yeah. um, their defense isn't good. Their goaltending has been brutal. Uh, so they, they need to make some changes there. It's kind of like, what isn't the problem with the team? There's talent there. There's something to build around. But the issue is this group just can't seem to figure that out year after year. And it's like, it's like, Everyone knew the goaltending was a problem. So why sign Mike Smith to a two-year contract? Yeah, I was just about Toshkin. to say that. Why do that? I was a fan of Koskinen before he went to the NHL, but the minute the four-year contract comes, like, oh no, 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 this is going to harm them. And Stuart Skinner, for as good as he might be, he's still not a guy that I would say is you know the 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 answer in net yet. Uh, is Flurry the answer in net? You got to give a lot of pieces for a team that still has a lot of flaws. If you're going out there and getting a guy like Flurry, you got to bring in somebody else. Yeah. It's got to be a bit more than that. So I think kind of no matter what, it's it's there's just too many things you got to work on on this team and. Maybe I got to bring in someone new. Like Ken Holland was supposed to be like, oh, look at this guy's track record in, mm-hmm. in Detroit. Well, it's clearly not working here in Edmonton with the talent no. he's had. And and he did kind of absorb a lot of the talent that he got when he when he joined the team. It was they were so good. But then mm-hmm. they've the Red Wings have been kind of in a state of disarray for a long time. They're finally starting to pick up, but like th- it was only because of their recent draft picks. Because remember, they yeah. were trading away their draft. It felt like they traded away their first round draft pick every year. And they were never drafting well. And then their their cover was dry. And like two years ago it was still not as good as it could have been. Now they're starting to figure things mm-hmm. out. And the Oilers are going to be in a similar situation if they don't figure this one out soon. But do you see like a guy like Dry Settle being like, you know what, I've had enough. I want out at this point. I <laughs> I wouldn't want to be here this long at this point. Um, mm-hmm. You're looking at it, and it's it's something where uh, it, it's a play. Luckily for the Oilers, they got him for a couple more years, and he's not mm-hmm. going to be traded. But it's something where you like what when what happens when when Dry Saddle's contract's done in 25, and I'm not I'm not exactly sure McDavid's year specifically. I think it's around the same time, but it's, it's like the year after, yeah. After, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's a short period. Like we're in 2022. Like that's still a few years away and a lot could happen, but that's yeah. not many opportunities to make it happen. The Oilers were supposed to be much better last year in terms of like where the playoff run was. Uh, the year they lost to Chicago. Come on, you can't do that. And then this year it's like things are looking really good. Okay, maybe they're serious and they'll have to figure a way around goaltending, or maybe their goaltending will just get enough of it done that the goal scoring can make it work, and none of that's working. So um it's it's not a good situation to be in. And people say, Well, let's move the coach, let's trade the coach, let's 
let's get rid of the coach. Let's get rid of the GM. And I'm usually of let's not just react to it every time there's a losing streak. But at the same time, how long of a leash do either of those two guys have? Switching a coach every couple of years doesn't help your long-term success. Yeah. You got to ride these guys out, but clearly it's just not working. And to, to haul or to, um, tip its credit, uh, as they, well, as bad as things have kind of gone, look at what he's got to work with here. A lot of these guys like, like Zach Cassian is not a great NHL player and he's playing key roles of points. And he, he's, he was getting promoted after like scoreless droughts. It's like, that's not how this works. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's got to be able to get more out of these guys. So yeah, the Oilers are just in a situation where it's like, it's, it's just kind of, I, I don't want to be running like the That's same story over and over every year. With the same thing yeah. as Buff. Same thing with Buffalo, and and same way in a way with Montreal Canadiens. I was where, just gonna say that, yeah. Like, You'll throw many, Ottawa like, in there too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. See, Ottawa, I still believe will be the next Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. That was the prediction I made two years ago, and I'm sticking with it. Oh my gosh, Steve um, Alicia likes me now. <laughs> I I just like like every position. I like the depth they have. Yeah, um, that's it. Their, their goalie situation, you know, signing Matt Murray was a, a horrible contract, yeah. and everyone knew that from the start. It's a touchy subject, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not not a good one, but I, I think Audible will eventually figure it out. Um, they still need some more pieces. This, they're not team's not ready, obviously, but um, when you look at like Montreal and Edmonton, it's just like year after year we're talking the same story here. Like Montreal, it's it's how can you not win the, the Stanley Cup with one of the best goalies in the world? Yeah. And that's something that's always brought up about Price's records. Like, oh, he's done this, this, not one of the Stanley Cup. Well, look at the group that's been in front of him. And unfortunately, we're talking about this for the past decade. This isn't like a new thing. Like, oh, like he, he, they had a couple chances and he kind of blew it. It's like, no, they, for the last like decade, like that playoff run last year, he was out of his mind how yeah. good he played. Yeah. And that was one of the best hockey you've ever seen him play. And it turns out he's playing through pain the whole time. So, mm-hmm gotta get some some help out there and unfortunately when you lose shea weber and then you don't fill that spot yeah it is what it is you you know what you're asking for here and and there was still a lot of pressure on giving cole caulfield an opportunity like a, a key opportunity because as good as he was in the playoffs it's a guy who was just playing great hockey all year long maybe riding the wave of i don't know what i don't know and i'll just do whatever it takes and you, know, you had a really good line there of perry and guys like that and then you make that change perry's gone and then you mm-hmm. your caulfield like, loses a bit of his confidence it looks like it's sent down to the ahl plays fine nothing too crazy gets called up to the nhl and just still not that great but he's playing better than he did it's, it's kind of just all of that it's like yeah. there were so many red flags and they didn't address it and they're going a new way as a result the oilers had those same red flags and they did not do anything yet yeah mm-hmm. and just one more question for me um obviously you kind of just mentioned it with you think the Sens will be the next team to win next sorry the next canadian team to win the stanley cup why do you think that don't laugh, Rahil. It's a serious question. No, I was laughing at the part where he said next team. It's like, yeah, they're winning it this year. They're going on like a 60-0 run. Yes, yeah, Senators have obviously won the championship Woo! this year. Um, the reason I say it, I just like the prospect pace. I think it, you get an opportunity where you have Shabbat and Jake Sanderson as your top defense pairing one day. Like That's pretty exciting. Um uh, Marilyn and the, the Finnish goalie I like. I think Sogard's got something there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy with the goalie prospects. I still, if I were the Senators, I would have picked Jesper Wallstead personally still looking back at the draft um, because I still think that's a guy who's a, a game changer for that team. He'd be your number one and you don't go get goalies like that often. Um, uh, but I, I, I still think that when, when you get Kachuk looking good and you get these other guys that are in the team kind of to really get moving, as long as everything kind of progresses the way you're hoping for, uh, there could be a bright future there. And our most recent future watch issue, we put the couple sends on the cover and, um, 
It's like, this is like the future team. Like this is a star group here. Like get, mm-hmm. get ready, but everything's got to work. Yeah. Who knows if that's like if the current management, the current ownership, everything, the current coaching. We don't know if that's the answer, but they've definitely got the pieces where it could be something. That's where I think personally as an outsider, that's where it lies is like they have the talent. But like you could argue they had the talent when they had um, Carlson and Stone and all these other guys. And then what happened is they decided to ship them out. And was it because they did? The owner didn't want to pay them. Was that part of it too? Yeah, there was some like salary thing. But then when you look at that run, and at least maybe you could say I'm wrong here, but like when you look at that run, it's like when they made it to the final four. It's like okay, well, they also got really great goaltending from a guy no one kind of expected to be that good too, yeah. uh, which kind of helped their case. Yeah. If he didn't kind of bail them out as often as he did, who knows really where the yeah. team would have been? But sounds like Montreal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Henderson was like kind of like unexpected to perform like that well in 2017. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was definitely a booster. 100%. Yeah, it, it, like it's a good team, but at the same time, it's like it, it was a good team, but it's like something where I think getting that far almost like clouded the teams. Like okay, like we're yeah, here's how serious of a team we are. It's like I don't think you're at that point and. Totally and makes that's, sense. And that's what Melnick always goes back to. He goes, Oh, look at the team we had. Like, we didn't need every all star player or every vet or so and so. But looking back, if we had those one or two extra guys in, I mm-hmm. think we could have made the finals that year 100%. And we could have won against Nashville. Never know. I'm, I'm a firm believer, and I've said this on other episodes before, is you need two superstars and one very above average player in each position forward defense and goaltending you look at yeah. teams like tampa you know fazileski headman and like kucherov and then like the other 50 million people on tampa that are good <laughs> you look at colorado mckinnon you got Makar. now kemper's kind of been a bit well, well he's been a bit iffy but like you kind of have you need those three on like any good team and i think ottawa the thing that they might be able to do and i'm curious what you guys think about it is you know, they have this such good depth is maybe when they start maturing and they start making the playoffs and they're that goaltender away from making a push. Maybe that's when you throw one or two of those guys in a trade, you'd lose some of your depth, but then you go pick up like, I don't know who the big superstar goalie would be in the next four years, but you go pick up a star goalie to then have that kind of perfect trio, so to speak. And didn't I try to say this too the other day and I get, and I got attacked for it. I think you did. Yeah. About, let's it's see, it's Twitter. Can... Everyone attacks everyone okay. for the stupidest reasons. Okay. But my my point was, why don't you trade Formington? Yes, he's p- p- playing extremely good hockey. He has a speed. He has a skill. But why not fill that position, another position, like mm-hmm. a goalie or a better defense, and get rid of that forward? Because we have other forwards and we have other prospects coming in. That's what I, exactly to my point. Yeah. She got attacked on Twitter for that. Oh my god! Oh, welcome to Ottawa. Yeah, unfortunately, that's Ottawa Senators fans. Like the the one the one team I think I'd keep an eye on for a potential goalie prospect of the future, Buffalo Sabers, because uh, mm-hmm. they have Luka Pekka who Lukanen, who's looking pretty good right now. Yeah. But then they got Devin Levi, who's like, I don't know, he's going to get like fifty five shutouts this year. Um, he's playing out of his mind. Well, there will be a point where they're going to both be competing for starts in Buffalo, and one. One like they're not gonna if if it's all going well right now, I don't think either of them are gonna like the, the one of those guys might end up being a pretty good trade target. So that'd be something to be interesting to watch. Now we're talking like four or five years down the line, so we're not yeah. talking anytime soon. But it's like there will be some goalies around the league where if if they're they don't believe in their goalie situation, and I don't believe anyone in the senator system right now is a true number one goalie that can take this team to the cup. They will need to address it, but they've got some good options to be solid 
maybe a backup. Marilyn, and I'm a big fan of. I'm uh, yeah. a lot of people like Philip Gustafs, and I'm uh, whatever on there. But uh, Sogard, I think maybe I want to see a bit more of his development at this point. But there's still decent prospects at this point. They'll need that one number one goalie to kind of. Yeah. You, you you can't win the Stanley Cup without some no. guy playing out of their mind because as for as good as Gary Price was, Andre Vasilevsky was just as good. What do you have like two important. shutouts in the five games or something like yeah. that? Like, like yeah, like great. Granted, he plays on Tampa Bay Lightning. Like yeah, you expect that team to win the Stanley yeah. Cup, but he still had to play really good to get to that point. And they won game five, won nothing. Yeah, they, he had to play some of the best hockey we've we've seen from a goalie in the playoffs, and it's forgotten about to a point because of the other goalie that played so good for a team that yeah. no one expected to get to that point. So, I, I think like you you need to have that star goalie no matter how good your team is, and I don't think Canada has it at that point, but that's a piece they can address yeah. eventually down the line. For sure. Okay, so. Rahil, do you want to wrap it up here? Yeah, we'll wrap it up, Stephen. Thank you so much for the for the talks. I really appreciate you know digging in your mind and stuff. And next time you guys need a. Uh, an NHL tournament. Maybe, maybe I'll bring Alicia. Maybe we'll see how good her, uh, her hockey uh, thumbs are. And we can, uh, <laughs> then maybe, uh, then I maybe, uh, who was it? Mikey finished last. Maybe he won't finish last next time. I think it was well, Mikey, see, right? We, yeah. Yeah. It was Mikey. Yeah, but we, we keep making jokes about, uh, the one guy on our team, Avery, who, uh, is the absolute worst NHL 22 <laughs> player. Uh, he, he, uh, we make fun of him all the time because we just were killing him in this one tournament yeah. we had. So he wants to come play just so he can get crushed even more, I guess. So we, every time we have our weekly meetings, with the hockey news, I always make sure to just throw him under the bus because of one day of NHL 22 that we played. But come on, who still plays of NHL 94 controls? Like, yeah, shoot this button, hit that oh, button. I never do that. That's, that's old school, man. Avery, man, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast somehow, Avery, you got to step your game up. Man. I'm, I'm like, telling him to listen to the podcast to listen to what... <laughs> <laughs> to what uh what we said Chaco has to say awesome well steven thank you so much we appreciate you uh taking the time to chat with us and uh yeah hopefully we get back to some normal hockey real soon absolutely thanks so much guys it's gonna be choo of the week time i think and I love this part. i'm gonna throw a curveball because me and alicia discussed it before and i'm not gonna say who i was talking about before i'm gonna pick someone different can i can i do that yes of course you can okay my chooch of the week is any person from the province of Quebec or a, a, a Quebecer who is mad at Kent Hughes getting this role. Alicia, I have seen so many people be like, oh, he's he, he lives in Boston. He's from the Boston. Like, like, he lives there. That's where he's been for a while. Like, he's not a true Francophone. Like, oh, my God. Are you kidding? Dude, he's calling. They're calling I, listen, I, listened to, I listened to his press conference alicia he spoke perfect french with like a west island or like a boston accent love it so love it sounded it. different but listen to me i'm all I, I you know there's the debate about does he need to speak french or not i don't think they need to speak french i think they need to have an eagerness to, an eagerness to learn and adapt the culture and learn the culture this guy has lived in montreal he said at one point he was like, you know, obviously he was thinking about whether or not he wanted the role. But at one point he was like, it's the Montreal Canadiens. Like, how Why can not? I say no? Like, like it's it, like if there's a team you want a GM, it's one of the most historic teams ever. So, so apparently he spoke to Bill Guerin and he was like, yo, Bill, should I like do this? Guess what Bill Guerin says? He goes, dude, Montreal's literally the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys of yeah. hockey. They're 100%. 100%. the historic, iconic wrong. team. He speaks, but he's bilingual. He's from the area originally, and he's a breath of fresh air. I don't understand why people are upset because his accent's different, or like his French isn't a hundred percent. That that listen, I'm 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 an English speaker. 
I don't know French that well except for like what we learned in grade nine. Bonjour. That's basically bon- that. bonjour le bout tabernacle. You know, like those are the words <laughs> I know. But he, I mean, he spoke like they he didn't speak the English part of his opening statement in the press conference because they forgot. He spoke it all in French and it sounded fluent and it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. Now I'm gonna say something real real quick yeah. here. The people that are analyzing that instead of his role on what he brings to your organization, you guys are a bunch of fugazis. Thank you. You guys are a bunch of clowns. You guys are a bunch of shambles. Is that you what fugazi know? means? Does that mean clown? No, it kind of means something else. I can't really repeat it on here. But Tell me because I'm going to start using that word now. <laughs> <laughs> you fugazi. I love that I'm gonna, word. I'm going to call but, my uh, girlfriend that tonight. <laughs> Yo, Jamie, it wasn't me. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Alicia. Like, I, don't, I, I don't understand. This, this is the problem that I have with people mm-hmm. on Twitter and, and people expressing that opinion. Mm-hmm. On a guy that knows his stuff. Why are you judging him based on an accent? It makes zero sense to me. And here's the thing. Put the French side. Put the French. uh, Bias aside. Yeah. Put it aside. And look what he can bring to your organization. Then say your opinion. I agree. Now, here's the thing. When the Francophones. And I I know it's not every Francophone. It's not every Quebecer. I know a lot of them. I have close friends who are from there who just, you know, they're like, hey, I want someone who can just help my freaking team. And that's what you really should want. But here's the thing. If that side of the argument of, oh, it needs to be 100% from Quebec, perfect accent, whatever, whatever. That argument continues to come and come and come. You're going to deter so many people from not just playing for the Montreal Canadiens, not just managing the Montreal Canadiens, but from moving to your province. Because I know people who are starting to tweet now and they're like, bro, like I'm almost like scared to speak English now in Quebec because of this stupid argument. Yeah. And listen, I'm all for preserving the culture. I know I don't understand it to an extent because I'm not from Quebec, but you, like, it, it, there needs to be in everything in life, there needs to be mediation. You need to have a balance of both. You want to preserve your culture, but you also need to adapt to the modern era and just kind of be like, listen, like we, I can't get mad at it because he can't, doesn't have a perfect Quebec accent. He speaks French. He's from the area. What more do you like? That's Kent Hughes is the perfect candidate, I think, for everything bilingual from the area but he also speaks english very well he knows his stuff he's great in the hockey industry as well that's that's perfect so listen quebecers the one specifically you guys who are mad at this whole signing and you know it's not francophone enough for you you're the chooch of the week what word did you use alicia fugazi say you're fugazi you're fugazi i can't wait to find out what this means five minutes after we end the podcast and i'm gonna panic (laughs) because it's like the worst swear word ever it's not a swear word. It's just like a slang. I love it. Okay. I can't wait. But to guys, it. that just does it for uh, this week's episode after the Buzzer Hockey Podcast. I hope you guys yeah. enjoyed it with our guest, Steven. Obviously, love the duo, me and Rahil. Uh, tweet us, mention us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And as always, go Sens, go baby. Tank abs, tank baby. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>